Welcome to the Care to Change podcast. We're thankful to have you join us today. We're continuing this month's topic on kids and parenting with a conversation between April and our counselor, Britt Smith, as they discuss connecting with your kids. Thanks for being part of this conversation. We hope to offer you practical solutions for positive change. Welcome back, everyone. This is April Bordeaux. As always, I'm so glad that you've chosen to spend your time with us today. We are second week in a series on parenting. You all asked for us to talk about parenting, so here we are. Last week, we talked about how to bring out our best in our kids. Today, we are talking about how to connect with our kids. In this day and age of technology, connection is difficult, and uh, we often get frustrated as parents that we want information and updates from our kids and we often hear fine, good, whatever. And so today we're talking about how to really truly connect with your kids. Next week, we're going to be talking about correcting unacceptable behavior. And then the last week of the month, we're going to be talking about when to get help uh, and what the Bible says about parenting. So we've got a whole great lineup. This is our second week. And as usual, we have a great guest with us. Britt Smith is here. Britt, as always, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Britt is one of our TBRI practitioners and educators. TBRI stands for Trust-Based Relational Intervention, and it's what's called in the mental health community a best practice method of working with parents and kids especially kids from hard places or kids who have been through hard situations. And so Britt has spent several years um, working with kids and parents in how to connect and how to correct behavior. Uh, And so I'm really glad that um, Britt has chosen to spend this time with us, as I am you all who are listening. So connecting with the heart of a child, let's talk about that, Britt. Yeah. The first thing that I think is important to address before we talk about connecting with your kid is being able to connect with yourself. And Mm -hmm. so when you're parenting, I think it's really important for you to have self-awareness because our kids trigger us. It's, It's not if, it's when. And so we need to be able to be mindful of ourselves. What is our body telling us? Did you have a long day at work? And it was really hard and all your meetings should have been emails and you come home and your kid doesn't throw away his water bottle and you are like, what's everyone doing around here? You know, and you automatically start in like, that's not good. And so being able to realize like, I'm in a weird space. I need to take time for myself before I can really engage into parenting. And that's okay. Communicate to that that to your kids and say, Mom's had our day, Dad's had our day, and I just need a minute to to collect my thoughts. So I'm gonna go in my room for twenty minutes, and if you need me, I'll be there. And I'm just gonna take a minute. A really great way, if you're like, where do I even start with self awareness? Like, I just feel stuck. I'm trained in the Enneagram as well. It's a great tool, a great guide to be able to just get to know yourself a little bit more and get to know that you are not the only one who feels the things that you feel. And so it's a great way to start that process of self-awareness. And so when we're looking at connecting, I think the first thing is to just be able to empower yourself to be the best parent that you can be. 
by giving yourself a minute to just kumbaya to yourself or whatever you do. Breathe. Absolutely breathe. Because if we walk in to where our child is or where our children are and we don't know how we are doing, we will um, most likely react to how they are doing based on how we're doing and not even know it Mm -hmm. and not even know it. So I love that you started with before connecting Mm -hmm. with your child, it's important to start by connecting with yourself. And and we don't do this in general anyway, typically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our culture doesn't promote pausing to connect with how we are. Right. Doing a little scan, an emotional and body scan to say, how am I doing? Yeah. For Uh sure. I think that's important. I think the other thing to note too, when you introduced CBRI, you talked about it being for kids from hard places. And the more that I have dealt with children and the more of I've dealt with parents, I honestly think that this is a great parenting tool, no matter the the root of where your kids have come from. So please don't turn us off because you're like, I don't have kids from hard places, Mm -hmm. but I think this is a really great way to raise great kind humans. And humans that have a voice and that's what I feel TBRI offers to parents and kids and so I would encourage you to continue listening or grab the connected child book because those things are important to be able to help your kids be successful absolutely so we know according to TBRI that there are two strategies there are two main strategies and how to connect Uh, with your kids. So why don't you walk us through what those strategies are and some practical application to how to to practice those strategies? Yeah. So the first strategy that has a lot of components to it is called the engagement strategies. And when we talk about engagement, one of the main things that you're looking for in this strategy and really the connecting principle of itself is this entunement that you're trying to match your child. So don't be the tower. Like I think of like Jack and the Beanstalk, like the really, he's like up on the Beanstalk tall, talking down to the people. It's like, you don't want to be that as a parent. Like you want to be on their level, whether that's like getting down and being on your knees, or if you're not capable of doing that, having them sit with you on the couch or being able to just like have that not towering over them, but being able to be on their level so that they know that you're in with them on this. So one of the ways that I talk to teens and kids, but strictly teens about this is you guys are all on the same team. Like mom and dad are on the same team with you. When you have a team, you have the same goal at the end. And so I ask them what their favorite sport is and we talk about the goal and blah, blah, blah. And so then I compare that to their family. And so the goal is typically to raise kind humans that can be successful in the world. And so what does that mean? And a lot of that, a lot of times kids get hung up on, well, they took my phone and I can't, or they did this and blah, blah, blah. And the bottom line is safety. Like they have to keep the team safe. And so in order to keep the team safe, this is what they're doing. And you may not understand it, but if you have the end goal in mind, you have a lot more compassion for it. Like sometimes if they're, I'll take their favorite player, a lot of kids love Steph Curry. And so I'm like, do you think Steph Curry agrees with his coach all the time? Do you think he agrees with every single player? No. Does he still pass the ball to them? Yes. Does he still listen to the coach? Yes. Does he still 
take three-point shots and make them every time? Yes, he does. <laughs> um, I love Steph Curry. But, like, he's doing all of these things for his team, even if he is mad. But when he, those five players are on the court, all of that kind of goes away because they're all trying for the same goal, which is to win the game. And, and that's th- that same kind of principle when you're looking at engaging in, in that manner too. And so another way is – playful engagement. And so what are you doing to be able to eliminate fear? Play disarms fear. We know this and it's a fact. And how do we relate to our kids in a playful manner? Um, I think about when I was learning about TBRI, Karen Purvis always said, whoa, Nellie, do we say that now? No, that sounds so silly and weird. But like you have your own version of whoa, Nelly, that you can say. And so pick something that's off the wall that stops your kids like, what did you just say? I have some parents who switch it up every time and say something a little different. Like, I don't know. I can't think of one off the top like of my shy head. Like girl. <laughs> <laughs> but like something weird that like stops your kid to be like, uh, dad, don't talk like that. Mm-hmm. And so just catching them in play to be able to redirect um, and correct and connect with what's going on. It's so interesting that you say this both in attunement, in that behavior matching and in in playfulness, because as a parent, of course, I have two teenagers, so play means something very different for my teenage son than it does even my teenage daughter, but it means something different than when they were younger, even so playfulness doesn't the the purpose of having playful engagement doesn't change but the way I playfully engage will based on their age but to you know you started this by saying know where you are and if as an adult in a parent you know we have a lot of responsibilities there's structure that's needed in the home you know kids have homework they need food Um, We have schedules, they have things that are happening. And so it's really easy for a parent, for parents in in today's world, you know, I'm guilty of this, to focus on the responsibilities and the chores and the things that have to be done. And that's really important. But today's topic is really talking about how do you connect? So if you're a parent and you're listening and you're saying, my child doesn't tell me anything, the question is, are you playfully engaging with them. And what's so interesting about this is I think about, you know, kids like to play video games or kids like to play sports and maybe you're not good at sports or maybe you don't like their video games. And yet if you enter into their space, Mm -hmm. 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. show me what you're building on Minecraft or here, let me play this video game with you, even though I'm going to be terrible at it and lose just sitting with them and entering their space of playful engagement it's amazing that they begin to open up, For sure. you know, or just saying, I'm going to, uh, you know, my son plays soccer and I'm, I, I don't, I don't play soccer. That wasn't the sport that I chose, but just to enter in and pretend you know, yeah. like I'm a soccer player and just how that, you know, again, the air, the, the breathing that's required just from being active. And then we're laughing because I'm terrible at it or whatever. Sure. And then all of a sudden he feels comfortable enough so that when I say, tell me when you laughed at school today, Mm -hmm. He's a lot more open than if I say to him on the way home, Mm -hmm. hey, we've got to do this and then we're going to do this and then we're going to go there. Tell me about how was your day? 
I'm not going to get the same response. So when we're talking about connecting, really that playful engagement, it, it changes over time, but the need to playfully engage doesn't. Absolutely. Absolutely. The next couple things you can do are talking about healthy touch and eye contact. I want to encourage parents because I, I see this all the time. In my sessions, a kid is up and down and up and down and left and right and pacing and walking the floor and blah, blah, blah. And the parent's like, can you please just sit down? Right. And I'm like, they're fine. And, and they're like, but they need to sit down. It's being very rude. And I said, they're not being rude. They're answering all my questions. They're actually more engaged than they would be if they were just sitting down next to you. And they're always like, what? And so meet your kid where they're at. If eye contact is uncomfortable, it's okay. I encourage my parents all the time when I'm talking with them to make sure that it's not great, but if your kid sends you a text, text them back. Don't say, why didn't you, why didn't you just come down here and tell me that? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason. They don't like to look at your face and see the disappointment that they've had a really hard day and, and that they're in a bad mental space. One of the most powerful therapy sessions they've ever had was I worked at a middle school in a suburban area, pretty poverty-stricken area. And um, this girl walked in, she sat down, arms crossed, didn't talk to me, didn't even look at me. And the first week, I was like, oh, goodness. (laughs) Woo, this is going to be rough. Second week, I got her to talk a little bit. Third week, I said, tell me what you're... She came in listening to something. And I said, what are you listening to? And, she, and it was some song. And I said, tell me how you feel in a song. She immediately got on her playlist and started playing a song. The words of the song, I don't, rem- I don't remember clearly what the song was, but the song said something about, I want to die today, but I'm staying alive because there's something important about me being here. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, can you keep yourself safe today? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And we began to exchange songs through what we were doing. So she would give me a song she was feeling, and I would give her a positive song that would counteract that emotion. Powerful. And it's still one of my favorite sessions to this day, and I probably did it four or five years ago. I mean, it, it, it's so powerful how getting on their level with this There was no eye contact involved in what was happening. None. But I didn't demand it in the situation because I I knew that the songs were enough. And so being able to read that, is eye contact important? Absolutely. Is it important? And I think sometimes it can come in. I know for me, when I'm watching my friend's kids, I'll say, can you tell me what I just said? And they'll be like, you asked me to take out the trash and make sure the dishwasher was unloaded. I was like, awesome. And sometimes that's enough for contact, eye contact, because they heard me. And so it's kind of, yes, eye contact is important, but I think sometimes we think it's everything. And then it's the disrespect. And then it's the, and it's not, it's just, they're uncomfortable for some reason. Like see the behavior as what's going on instead of why aren't you? Right. It's a warm connection through eyes not a look at me when I'm talking to Mm -hmm. you. And the intent behind the eye contact, again, this is all about connection. And I love this story that you're saying about connecting through music because you entered where 
that child was and you exchanged connection in a way that was meaningful for that child. And so that, you know, your first point of behavioral matching, that's a great example of behavioral matching. I know when Karen Purvis used to talk about this, you know, our day and age is so technology focused Mm -hmm. that we're distracted when we communicate Mm -hmm. and then we wonder why we don't have connection. Mm -hmm. And so with eye contact, it's not eye contact in a, in the old school, look at me when I'm talking you kind of way. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an eye contact. Like I'm going to set my phone down and turn the TV off and give you my attention Mm -hmm. because you're important enough to me to put other things aside. And so I love that you made a distinction between it's not a requirement it's an avenue. It's a, it's one way to potentially connect by saying you're important. I'm going to put the phone down. I know one of the things that, you know, we, we made lots of mistakes as parents, but I know in connecting, connecting is so important, teaching our kids to be able to ask permission for our hands and eyes. And, you know, if you ever need my attention, if I'm not getting, giving you my attention, say, mom, I need your hands and eyes. And so my kids would come up and into this day, even as teens sometimes, well, mom, can I have hands and eyes? Hands meaning put down what you're doing, hold my hands. In other words, just put your hands on mine and give me your full attention. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if they're needing attention, this goes for really more younger kids. If they're needing the attention, they may act out to get your attention right? Because they haven't had that. And so if your child's acting out and it's getting the attention, oh, well, they'll continue acting out Mm -hmm. to get it. It's not the kind of attention you want to give them, Mm -hmm. but simply to teach them to say, oh, is it me that you're wanting to connect with? Ask for hands and eyes. And so I love that healthy touch can be, I know you're, you haven't talked about it. I'm sure you're getting ready to, but healthy touch, you know, just saying, here's my hand or you know, a touch on the shoulder when they're upset touches one of those things like eye contact where you're like, you don't want to misuse it, forcing something that they're not comfortable with, especially as they get older and they're Mm -hmm. in the teenage years and they're wanting independence and space, you know, both physical space and emotional space. Like just let me kind of learn some things on my own. But yeah, I love that distinction that you made with eye contact. But the reason why eye contact can lead to connection is saying you're important enough to me that I'm putting my phone down or whatever's distracting me down so I can give you my attention. Yes. Yeah. I think the importance of healthy touch is basically asking permission Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because not every kid. and, And I think this is important to do a five love languages quiz with your child to find out how do they feel loved and do it again when they're teen, because it could be changed. It Mm -hmm. could be different. And then if you have an adult child, same thing, doing it that way, because it's, it's different. And so physical touch may not be their thing, but we know that God created us for touch. And so being able to show that in some way and asking permission to do that, because you don't know what's going on. And then the last one is all about authoritative voice. And so let me be clear that this is not a yelling voice. This is not raised voice. This is a, this is a cadence thing. And again, when I worked at that school, I I didn't raise my voice because that's not who I am. One, I'm a person to raise my voice when I'm excited or out at a concert or on a sporting event. Like that's when I raise my voice, but I'm not a voice raiser in anything else. And so it's important to 
get that cadence when I when I worked at the school I was never I almost I had the rule to myself that if I wanted to yell I needed to whisper and so that was kind of my rule of thumb that I went by and asked my teachers to go by too and some of them did and some of them didn't but when my kids would come to me and I can think of my boys Miss Bernie I messed up. I don't get to eat lunch with you on Friday. I don't, I, and, and then I'd be like, buddy, I'm really, I'm disappointed in the cadence he knew. Or if he like did something wrong, I would say, you know, you're not supposed to come in here. What are you doing? And he'd be like, sorry, Miss Birdie, I'll go, I'll leave. And it was like, no, I'm not telling you to leave because I care about you. But what I'm telling you is, you know, you broke the rule. And he's like, yeah, I, I know. And so it wasn't like a, I didn't even have to say anything because they knew. Your tone because, said it all. Yeah, the tone, it was the tone. And so that's what we're asking for here, or this is what the engagement is, is is the tone, tone not the... Tone really does yeah. set sort of the environment for connection because if the tone is harsh or demanding... It isn't one that's going to flourish and, you know, it's not going to build, build a connection. I love what you said about if you feel like yelling, whisper, you know, like parents, check in with yourselves. If you feel like you're escalating and here's, here's what we both know. Yelling is defined by the person receiving the tone, Mm -hmm. not by the person speaking Mm -hmm. Uh, because we have plenty of kids who have sensory issues or who are highly sensitive HSPs that will say so-and-so yelled at me and when you talk to so-and-so they say that wasn't yelling well to the child it felt like yelling whether it was tone whether it was the harshness whatever it was it it came across as yelling Mm -hmm. so if you're a parent hearing this and you hear you know I'm like I wanted to connect with my child and your child has said to you, you yell all the time or you yell too much or stop yelling and you've said, I'm not yelling. Remember, yelling is defined by the person on the receiving end of that. So what I've heard so far in this first principle in connecting with a child through engagement is behavioral matching, playful engagement, being playful, healthy touch and eye contact and tone. Mm -hmm. And there's a second. Yeah, and the second one is talking about mindful awareness and so this is being self-aware and having awareness in daily moments of parenting and so this is like being able to see your kid and so to see through the behavior a couple years ago Oprah did this 60 minutes on what happened to you and I have the book and it's on my reading list this year but she did a YouTube video And I showed it when I worked at the school because I had teachers and it talked about how this one teacher stood out to her and saw something in her and she hadn't been connected with this teacher in over like 20 years or 30 years or something like that. And they were reconnected and it brings tears to my eyes when I talk about it right now because like it was so sweet. You could tell this lady just was like the grandma teacher, you know, Mm -hmm. who just wanted to like have the biggest arms and hug them all. Mm-hmm. And like, she just talked about how she saw her in a way that no one else saw her. 
And not because now we know she's Oprah Winfrey, but because she saw something special in her. And I would almost say that everyone felt something special seen in them that had her as a teacher. I don't know that because I don't, I don't know the teacher, but just with the way that she carried about herself was just like every kid was so special. And when I worked in the school, that was my goal. I want you to feel loved when you're with me and when you're gone to know that you're still loved. And this past fall, I went back and I saw my boys there. When I saw them last, they were fifth graders. Now they're eighth graders and they played football. And I thought they didn't see us come in. I went with another teacher and I thought they didn't see us come in. And I was like really sad because at the end of the game, they, they all ran off the field. And I thought, I just came here and I'm not going to get to hug my boys. And the all they came running back down the sideline. Miss Brittany, Miss Brittany. And I was like, oh, my boys. And they were like, we saw you come right in the gate. And I was like, of course they did. Like, of course they saw me come. And then they were like talking to me. And, and we. I actually walked them back up to the school because they were like, will you walk with us? And I was like, sure. And we walked all the way back up to the school. And when we got done, I was like, I love you boys. I like, hope you know, mm-hmm. I lo- we know you love us, Miss Brittany. We love you too. See you later. And like, I could have floated for two weeks. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, that's what it's about. And it's about being mindful and being in tune with what they're doing and what they need. And what you don't know about those boys is I had teachers come up to me. Those boys, why are you with those boys? I don't want anywhere near those boys. Keep those boys away from me. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, like I had, I actually like shut my office door one time and cried because I was like, how could you view kids as those boys? Right, like right. what? And, but your and love and be your seen. connection, seen, valued, heard, right? Yes. So you saw them, you told them and showed them that you valued them. They heard you. And it can, and it created a bond, a connection. Yes. And that's that mindful engagement that we're looking at is just seeing them. And there was playful in there too. They all had nicknames. I didn't call any of them by their name. Mm -hmm. Um, Do I know their real name? Yes. But I don't call them by it because why, why? That's not fun. And they became like, I get emails from them to this day and it's signed with their nickname. Um, and I had a teacher one time call them their nickname. That's Miss Bernie's name for me, not yours. And I was like, Oh snap. They just told you. So like it, it pays off and you see it, but it takes time. These boys, when I met them were third graders and, and by fifth grade, I'll, I'll be honest. I kept my job because I needed to see them graduate because I knew like there was an attachment there that I would have shamble like broken it in shambles and so sometimes there are things that you need to do to be able to be successful with kids and that's okay take the day off and meet their needs for a mental health day that that's a mindful that's a mindful thing that's it's good that you've even though I know this isn't the specific strategy in this principle but taking knowing that it takes time Mm -hmm. and so to be patient in that connection it's not one time Mm -hmm. on the way home asking different questions and being playfully engaged and expecting them it's not one hour of video games right it's with any relationship it takes time and ongoing nurturing these are these are so good so I'm going to summarize these while you're getting your resources out to share 
first of all, to make sure that to start with connecting with yourself, but there's two primary principles, engaging and being mindful, engaging through, through play, through healthy touch and eye contact and tone. And then that mindfulness is knowing what your own buttons are, but knowing what their buttons are, where they are, and then entering, entering into their space. What resources would you like to share? This is a different resource. And so sorry for your, for you teens, mom and parents. This isn't probably a resource for you, but there's a, there's a book online. It's a workbook and it's called mommy and me. And they have one. I also for dads as well. And it is so cool because it has like a page where you do something and a page where they do something and it's a connecting journal. It's so I have that. I love it. Yeah. It's so neat. And so I would totally recommend that. We'll put it in the show notes so that you have them both. So those are really great resources. And And great keepsakes because I will say even with teenagers passing that book back and forth. So we pass it back and forth and Mm -hmm. I'll do a couple pages and then I'll give them to one of my kids. You know, there's one for boys and one for girls Yes, and they do theirs. And what I love, it's a, it's a complete keepsake Mm -hmm. because the things, and they're not like deep questions. Like what would your favorite outfit be if you could go anywhere in the world, but it's a way to connect. And I love it because some of the answers like, oh, I didn't know. So I love that. You brought that up. And then um, the connected child, of course, great resource. And I'll put a few Enneagram resources in there as well so that you have that if that's something you want to look at for yourself in self-awareness. So those are the those are the things that I brought. I think I'll, I'll have us put in the 20 questions to ask without asking how was your day oh yeah that's a good um, one because sometimes we we get stuck in a rut so how was your day today uh, and there's other questions that you can ask Definitely. that create a little bit of interest so Britt as always thank you for joining us connecting is so difficult with our kids especially as they get older and um, the world is changing and the way kids connect is so different and Yet, I know the heart of parents that that bring their kids here, especially they really long to have that deep and meaningful connection and watch their kids as they feel like time is just slipping away. And it does take time, uh, especially if there's been some, you know, troubled relation in in the middle of it, especially as kids get older, it takes time and, and healing. But the point of this podcast is to give you practical solutions for how you can connect with your child. And if you're listening and saying, I need something more tangible, give me a checklist or something I can do. We're happy to provide that. If you're saying, oh, I've, I've tried these things and I just feel like they're disconnected or they're disengaged or they won't connect or they're just angry. Um, we can help with that. Or, or even if you're just like, I'm too mad to connect with them because of their behavior. <laughs> yes. Tune in next week when we talk about correcting behavior, because that'll be important for you to hear as Mike talks about that. But thank you all for joining us. We'll put this information in. Please connect with us in whatever way is most meaningful and useful for you. We want you to to have the solutions that you need to develop the relationships and strengthen the ones that you have or even repair those. So thank you all for joining us. And until we meet again. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Care to Change podcast, where we offer you practical solutions for positive change. We invite you to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and YouTube, to hear more about our conversation topics. 
Check out the show notes below to see resources mentioned in this episode. If you have any questions or would like additional information, please reach out to us on our care line at 317-979-7133 or email us at help at care2change.org. We thank you again and hope you will join us for more of our podcast conversations.